God bless you. Please turn around, just welcome, acknowledge each other in the house. God bless you. It's good to have you here. While you're doing that, I'm going to ask my two readers to come to the stage, please. Zach and uh, Raphael, if you just make your way to the... God bless. It's good to be here. Welcome any visitors. If you're here for the first time, you're welcome. And I want to welcome Reverend Karen from Red Hill. Amen. Let's give an apostolic welcome to Reverend Karen as well. And any other visitors, you are welcome. And I just want to wish our Chinese brethren Happy New Year. Amen. Happy New Year for... Hallelujah. Pray this year will be an amazing year. We have two, two New Years we've been celebrating. Just one in January the 1st and today, well yesterday was the Chinese New Year, so you're welcome. We're going to have some things unfolding later on, a few things taking place. We have a, a big itinerary agenda today. But also just to say, that just the course of this, just map out what's happening today. Uh, we're going to have our service, we're going to give our message to encourage us the next few moments, then we're going to have our communion. Then I'm going to give the benediction, so people who feel they need to go, need to be somewhere else, you're free to go. And then we're going to move on to have baptisms. We're going to have a number of baptisms after, once with the benediction take place. But if you want to remain to celebrate with us, and later on, we have our Chinese uh, celebration here for celebrating the new year for, the, for themselves. We, we're all welcome to be a part of that as well. So feel free. Make yourselves at home. Sit back. Don't get too relaxed. Amen. I've got my readers. Be kind to them when they read, please. Smile. Don't frown. And I'm going to hand over to them. I believe, uh, Zach, you have the first reading. God bless. God bless. Morning, church. Morning. So I'm reading Psalm 139 to 1, verse 1 to 12. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and we are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know altogether. You have hedged me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I send into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell, the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the, light, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Sir. You can take that. You can hold on to that. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Bless you. Morning, church. I'm reading from Luke 8:22 to 28. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, 
There met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time, and he wore no clothes, nor did he live in the house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. God bless you. Well done, both of you. God bless. God bless you. So praise the Lord. I mean, interesting passages that we've, uh, what the young men have actually shared with us. Praise God. We're taking a journey. Life is a journey. And the theme for today's message is God in the storm. Amen. I don't know where you've been the past week, past year, past month, whatever the case, situation, but we'll encounter storms in many different ways or many different levels. Either you've been through one, you're going through one, or you're coming out of one. But I pray that through the storm, you put your priorities in the right place. Amen. Praise God. So it's interesting passages. But I like to say whatever we encounter in life, God is always ever present. And it's declared through the psalmist. I mean, David knew he had many challenges and many storms that he went through himself personally. Some storms he created for himself. We self-afflict ourselves sometimes because of our attitude, because of sometimes our selfishness, because sometimes we look things, we, we're stubborn in our outlook in life and we create our own storms and our own challenges and we afflict ourselves. Other times, storms come from different, objectively, from outside ourselves. Other people perhaps cause the storm for us, take us through a path that we not, not necessarily want to go down or through. Sometimes it's just a friend, a family member. Sometimes it's just a work situation. I don't know, have you, have you encountered, can you relate, can you identify that you've been in a storm perhaps that's got nothing to do with you? You've just been in the wrong place at the wrong time? Perhaps it's you've been in that place that created that storm. And other times, God creates the storm. And that's where the problem is, because we try to define, we try to understand, analyze, where is the storm? Why, why am I experiencing what I am experiencing? And a few weeks ago, I was speaking about Job, chapter 1, where, you know, the devil, God highlights him, singles him out, says, look at Job. He, he's, faith, he's my faithful servant. And the devil said to, to God, well, if you take away his riches, his wealth, his comfort, he'll curse you. He'll turn against you. He says, I'll give you permission. You can take whatever material things he has from him, and I'm, I can assure you he will not turn against me. And God allowed the devil to afflict him. And what do we do in those times? We're serving God, and by, by virtue of the fact that we're serving God, we're encountering difficulty and adversity. Whether others have a smooth uh, comfort around their lives, and they're not serving God, but we're serving God and we've got the problems. How do we reconcile this? I've been serving you faithfully every day, 24-7, seven days a week. And, I've got a, and this person there lives an immoral life, ungodly life, and he's wealthy. He's prospering. And I'm impoverished. <laughs> but define the richness. What is it? What's the richness in life? Is it being rich having material things? Or is it rich having spiritual reality and stability? I wish I'm speaking to someone today. And David had his challenges. We've read the psalm. But he made a, a seven declarations. He acknowledged certain things. He knew that at every time and every place of his life, God was in the midst of it. In spite of where he was, God is and was with him. He declares it in Psalm 139, which was wonderfully read by Zach. He said this. 
I just want to just draw out a few verses to encourage us today. Because whatever you're going through, I can assure you, God is in the midst of the situation. And there's a lesson for the learning. And we become enriched once we've learned the lesson. Because it will make us stronger. It will make us wiser. It will empower us. And it will console us and comfort us. Knowing that God is in the midst of the situation. In fact, even the Lord himself was encountered adversity to the point, as Chris, Pastor Chris shared, being crucified for what? Not because of himself. He was crucified because of me. We are, we are the reason why Jesus was crucified. But he still accepted it. He didn't turn away from it because of great love he had for each one of us. But through the cross, he came, he was incarnate, he became a man. But he rose with the power of divinity, of his identity being the word of God. And when you go through your process of where God is taking, you're going to rise in the power of God's anointing. In fact, actually, you know, we were talking about the diploma. Just to show you something that we, how we look, how we analyze things within, within the diploma, the word of God. Look at the Bible and look, break it up and simplify things. I just want to show something about, we're talking about Jesus. And amazingly, Dom came at the right time. He's in the right place at the right time. Just to share, let me take you in a, a little Bible study just for a few moments to talk about God. God is in the storm, praise God. Thank you, look at that. I just turned around, it's all been prepared for me, thank you. Can we hang it up? Yeah. In Genesis, very quickly, can we put it out the side there? Can we put it out the side so everyone can see? In the side there, can we put it there? Yeah. I'm going to be your teacher for a few moments. And you're going to be the students. I'm going to do the roll call at the moment, call your names, you say, yes sir. But doesn't matter. Okay. Well, basically, the Bible begins with God. And actually, the Bible ends with God. Okay? But we say, we call for God, we, we say God, but in God, there's, we call a God head. Okay? All right. So we say that Jesus is God. Then we say we have God the Father. Then we have, we have God the Holy Spirit. So we serve one God. Well, the Shema, Israel, Shema says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. So he says, Shema Israel, Elohim, Adonai Elohim Echad, he's one. He says, God is one. So how can we have, so we, how can we say, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? How can we say the best, so one? Plus one, plus one, equals three. So people come to church and say, we, we say we believe in God, we believe, but people don't even think, what does that actually mean? So I'm serving three gods. How does that work? But we've got to differentiate between a few things here, according to the word of God. I'm not going to, ex- I'm not going to exhaust this subject. I'm just going to give you food for thought. I'm going to come back to my message about God being in the storm, but this relates to it. To show how the Bible reveals this, because what God reveals God and what God says is the final word. Yeah? So what we're talking about here, we're not talking about persons, we're talking about nature. So in this room, if there's 150 people, however many people there are in this room, you have one thing in common. Your nature. Your, your nature unites, connects you. You are one in nature. So... The Father, the Godhead, is one nature, okay, which is called divine. 
And it's all it is, three divine natures revealed in the scripture. Now, three divine nature, meaning that the three possess the same nature that makes them one. Okay? Because you change the equation. If you say one plus one plus one equals what? One times one times one equals? You change what's in between, it gives a different outcome. So we're looking about nature here. So the three natures make one, they unite in nature, is one nature. But within these three natures, there's three persons. Or personalities, hypostases they called. And it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Distinct individuals, separate. So the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. They're distinct in themselves. In the same way, you share all the nature, but each person has its own personality. What they have in common that unites them is the will. They have one will, one purpose, one mission, one outlook. That's what qualifies that, that pure, that perfect unity. The reason we, are not, we don't have that perfect unity because we don't have the same outlook, the same mindset, and we're divided, we're fragmented. And the purpose of Jesus coming into the world to make us one with him as he's one with the Father. I wish I'm speaking to someone today. And so when we have one mind, one outlet, one, one purpose, one mission, we become united, one, become one. And that's why the church should be one. It's the body, one body, not fragmented, separated. We have what, one person is the hand, one person is the foot, one person is the eye. But we're all working together, moving to the same direction to serve the purpose of God. And what is that? To bring the love and reconciliation of humanity back to God through, not our words, through our example. Yeah? And there's a difference here. Jesus now. Let's come to Jesus. Welcome, Archbishop Franklin. Let's give, him, let's give him an apostolic welcome to his eminence. Now, let's come to Jesus. The most important name in the universe. That it's what keeps everything together. Him. He is one person. But there's something unique about Jesus. He has something else. He has two natures. God the Godhead is one nature, three persons. Jesus is one person, two natures. He is fully divine and fully human, never confusing one or the other. Sometimes his divinity manifests, sometimes his humanity manifests. When he's hungry, when he's thirsty, when he's grieved, his humanity is revealed. When he walks on water, when he raises the dead, when he rebukes the demons, when he calms the storms, his divine nature is manifest. When he dies, he's human. When he rises, he's divine. Right, watch. So he came to his two natures, one person. Three, one, three persons, one nature. What Jesus came to do was to transform us that he came to give what he is to us he became what we are that we can become what he is to empower us with divine power anointing that what he does by nature we can do through grace i wish i'm speaking to who wants to come to my class okay we can sign up after the session so you can leave that there so they can see yes so that's how we, we, we break it up. But it's more than that. This is just t- touching 
the, 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 the tip of the iceberg. You know, what you see above the water is less than what's beneath the water. So we just get a glimpse of divinity and we need to go delve deeper to see the, the extent, the width, length, height of God's presence in the world because God fills all things. And David knew that. Why? Through experience. It's not academia. It's not just through head knowledge. It's through experience. Does it stay there? Amen. So, so, so we need to have that. We need to participate. Church is not about coming once a week, two hours. If you train two hours once a week, you get somewhere. But if you train every day, you get further. Yeah. And if you understand the science behind training, the mechanism. I think we're pulling this apart. Uh, Pastor Dom's fighting with this. <laughs> have we got that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and if we do things more consistent, consistently, it says uh, uh, repetition, they say, is the, is the mother of perfection. I say consistency is the mother of perfection. Yeah? Be consistent. Have a focus. Have a vision. Will take you, bring you to the outcome. And it's that relationship that, that empowers us that gives us the confidence to continually move forward. When you know who you know, you know God, who he is and who he is to you, go through the deal of this and understand more about God and what the Bible is teaching. It's empowering. It's enrich it enriches you in an amazing way, praise God. It makes you informed that you can make an informed decision because things are not always what they seem. I wish I'm speaking to someone. Praise God. Things are not always what they seem. You know, we need to see through the eyes of the spirit, not through the eyes of the flesh. Because some things that look good in the natural may not be right in the spirit. And some things that are right in the spirit might not, we not, might not be appealing to us. Because we define things a different way. We're, we're, we're selective what we do. We're conditional how we, how we think about things. As long as, sometimes it's, it's, as long as it benefits me, it's right. But not always benefit me is always right at the same time, praise God. You know, we want instant gratification. This is what the social media is about. Momentary likes, feel goods, the endorphins, the good things in your mind, in your brain. We want immediate gratification. But there's something better. The Bible speaks of delayed gratification. You wait for something, you process something, and the, the end is greater than the beginning, praise God. Work towards something great, eternal, a good pur a purpose that is of value, not just for the moment. But for eternity, not just for ourselves, for our community, for our surroundings. And that comes from relationship with God. Because we can reflect him in the world and bring hope, peace to the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. So David knew God's presence. God knew about the relationship with God. He knew something about God. We should know even more than David. We're post-resurrection. We should know more about it because we must, we, we're supposed to have that intimacy with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what David says in Psalm um, one three nine. It's, it's powerful because wherever we are, we think God is sometimes is separate, far, distant from us. But God is always ever present, always in the midst of the situation. As I said, sometimes we create the storms. Sometimes others create the storms. But sometimes God will create the storm. And sometimes God's not only creating the storm; God is the storm. What do you do with that when God is the storm in your life? What are you, how, do you, how do you account for that? How do you understand that? 
What is God doing? Why has God, God become a storm in our lives? Because he loves us. He wants to shake off the things that are holding us back. He wants us to be fully reliant in him. To let go and start listening to him. Because he knows what's best. Like a parent with a child. A child, we say, do not listen to strangers. Unfortunately, our children listen to strangers every day. Every day they listen to strangers. They're on, this, on these gadgets all day long, listen to strangers, getting the values from strangers. They're not, they're not sooner listening to the family. They want to listen to the strangers and they go off course. And we've got to be patient and prayful and wait for the expectation for them to come back, that they will have a reality. Because you cannot force someone to do something that their will does not want to do. They may be in the house, but they may not be not in the house. You can take Israel out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of Israel. You can take someone out the street, but you can't take the street out of the person. It has to come out itself. And the way to help them come to that understanding is share the love and be the example and be consistent. And in long term, if they so decide to choose to come back, you're there with open arms. The father of the prodigal son, hallelujah, he had two sons. He perhaps may have had other children, but he had two sons. They mentioned the older and the younger. The younger said, give me my inheritance. The older brother would have taken two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger one said, give me my inheritance. I want to go. I want to leave my father's. I want to go to the far country. I want to enjoy myself. I want to get down with all the people there. (laughs) (laughs) And he went and squandered his livelihood. And as long as he had the money, he was the most popular kid on the street. As soon as he spent everything, he was left on the wayside. As long as you can get people and take from you, that you gratify them, you're the best friend. And when he spent it all, he ended up becoming a slave to the citizen of the far country and was farming, shepherding his swine, which was an abomination to Israel. And swine speak about the presence of demonic powers. That's why a narrative in the Gospel of Luke, as we read on, when Jesus encounters the demon-possessed man, the demons plead with him and said, send us into the swine. Don't send us into the abyss. Because the swine speaks about, about defilements and ungodliness. And he was feeding. And even the food that the, the swine, the demons would eat, were, felt appealing to him. And then he remembered in his father's house, he had food. There was food and plenty. Even the servants ate. <laughs> In, a, in an amazing way, we looked after. And he said, I'll go back to my father's house. He came to his own mind. When he came to his right mind, it says, right mind, I'll go back to my father's house. But the father at no time went out looking for him. He didn't even send, send a search party for him because he had to learn from him because he knew if he would have brought him back, yeah, by force or intimidation, he would never be back in his house. He may be physically there, But emotionally, spiritually, he would not be in the Father's house, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, so we have his free will and so forth. And David exercised, he knew knew the relationship he had with God. He knew about God. He never always crossed the T's and dot the I's. And don't expect to always cross the T's and dot the I's. Don't expect yourself to be perfect. He's perfect. We just learn to be led by him, for him to account for us. Yeah, he'll stand in the gap for us. We just give it, we give it to him. When we fail, we say, Lord, here I am. I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. And what the Bible says, cast your cares upon him 
because he cares for you. Praise God. And that's what we do. That's what we need to do. And it's what Church about encouraging us to build that relationship with God, first person ourselves. That's why I say religion is blocks our vision with God, our relationship with God. It's faith and relationship and lifestyle that connects us to God. You can wear a collar all you like. You can wear vestments all you like. But unless you have that relationship, it means nothing. Yeah, that's what's important with God, praise the Lord. And so let me just come on a few of these words here because David learned through his experience. And the, the storm gives us an experience that helps us draw closer to God. It's, it's a facilitator and, it, and it's, it's the thing that, that allows us to get closer to God. And sometimes the adversity in the storm becomes our friend. In the same way, sometimes your enemy can become your friend if it takes you closer, if they take you or it takes you closer to Jesus. I wish I'm speaking to someone. The woman who was caught uh, in adultery, yeah, the woman who was caught in adultery in the Gospel of John chapter 8, who took her to Jesus? Her accusers. The enemy took her to Jesus and Jesus gave, Jesus stood in, her, in the gap for her, praise the Lord, and reprieved her. So after he reprieved her and said, go your way and sin no more, she should go back to the haters and say, thank you so much. You've changed my life. Sometimes some people you don't expect, sometimes your enemies change your life better than your friends in a good way. Sometimes your enemy make you the better person because they expose what's in us. I wish. So we seem to say thank you. And if you run out of haters, go and find some. My haters are becoming my friends. Let's go and find some of the people who really hate you. They will help you. They become the hammer and chisel that so shapes you and chop off the rough edges around our lives. We're not the finished article. If people think I just arrived here, everything is fine, the sun is shining in my face, the wind on my back, and everything is smooth, calm seas, and I just come here standing, give you an idea, uh, 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 just a message, an idealistic message. Forget about it. We all have storms that we go through. But it's how we manage the storms that makes the difference. And we're here to help each other manage the storms, that the storms will become stepping stones to get to take us somewhere greater. That turbulence will help us rise higher above the turbulence. Hallelujah, praise God. And so David knew something. He says, he says, he says in the Psalm 139, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. God knows us. Importantly, what God wants us to do is to know him, reciprocate that connection that relation reciprocated Jesus said if you know the truth the truth shall make you three how do we know the truth if you abide in my word and this is what the bible study the the diploma the bio the church services the worship this is all about to get to know him if you abide in my word and my word abides in you you will know the truth and the truth will make you free praise God free from what free from myself free from the storms that I create hallelujah Free from opinion. People, we're prisoners of people's mindsets. How people think about us. What's he going to say? What's she going to say? You know, it doesn't matter what people say. Because when you come to the judgment throne, it's not going to be Tom, Dick or Harry. It's going to be you and God. Well, he made me do it. She made me do it. You need to take responsibility for yourself. What have you done? Hallelujah. He says, so you know me and, 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 and know me. And God knows you. Today, before you even set off to come here, all our brethren, all our Chinese friends celebrating Chinese New Year, all our brethren from all over the world here, God knows you. Before you even made your plans to come, God knows you. God knows your expectations. 
Sometimes maybe I have to lower the expectations you have from the pulpit, but you don't. You need to raise the expectation because God has wonderful things for you. So before you set your journey to come, God has this message for you. So don't think this message is for someone else. And people tuned in live stream, the message is for you today, praise God. To know that God's in the storm of whatever situation you encounter, God is with you. Come hell or high water, God will be with you. Whether people like it or not, God is with you. Hallelujah, praise God. And so, my brethren... David goes on to say, you know my sitting down and my rising up. He knows everything about our lives. There's nothing you can hide from God. Even if you try to go to a dark place and do something that you think nobody knows about, somebody does. God. Hallelujah. You, you comprehend my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything about you. He knows you better than you. In fact, before you make a decision, he knows the decision you're going to make before you know the decision you're going to make. Come on, let's, let's, let's talk real. Yeah? In fact, Jesus says, you know, when you pray to your father knows what you need before you pray to him. So why am I praying if he knows what I need? <laughs> it begs a question. Why don't, well, you know, Lord, why don't, don't you have to just be still when you're going to No, no, God wants us to engage he wants connection. In fact, he wants us to confess what we want, so we acknowledge what we want. It's for us, we pray, not for God. You get that when you get home. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. God's hand is upon Today, ACC and people watching, God's hand is upon you. And what's God's hand? Jesus Christ. The right hand of God is Jesus Christ. And it says here, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is, high, it is high, I cannot attain it. See, so we don't always understand God. Sometimes it's difficult to understand how God can be in a situation where I feel I'm uncomfortable, I'm broken sometimes. You know, I feel, I feel abandoned sometimes, but God knows about these things. He's, his hands upon me and he knows about these things, praise God. Hallelujah. But he's, he, he, in a sense, he allows me to go through that because to show me ultimately his, his handiwork, that he, he will intervene at the right time in the right way before the 12th hour. He will intervene in whatever you're going through. Take courage. God will arrive on time and in time. Even if his delays seem a delay, his delays are not denials. He arrived four days when Lazarus was dead. On the fourth day he arrived, he seemed like he delayed, but he was on time. Yeah. Praise God. And this comes now, nicely moves over. I'm going to come back to Psalm 139. Nicely moves over to, to the gospel of Luke chapter, chapter 8, verse 22 following. Let's go to verse 20 very quickly. Uh, Luke 22, uh, 8, 22. And now it happened on a certain day. On a certain day. Let me tell you, that certain day is for you and me is today. Amen. That he got into a boat. With his disciples. On that certain day he got into the boat with his disciples. He was the reason. Yeah, for them getting into the boat. They had no reason to get into the boat unless Jesus got into the boat. But there's another layer we need to look beyond just the, the surface of this, of this statement, of this verse. When he got into a boat, meaning the boat is a representation of you and me. The boat represents your heart. So he, in a certain day, he got into the boat of your heart. 
And he says with his, with his disciples, with the teaching, the apostolic teaching enters the boat of our lives. He comes into the boat of our lives, praise God. And he begins to take the reins of our, and the sails of our boat and the rudder of the boat to try and guide us to a different place. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. So just showing clearly, they had this expectation that we're going to cross the lake, the Sea of Galilee to get to the other side. And when God enters the boat of your life into your heart with his apostolic teaching, he'll guide you to different shores, different continents, different things to do. I'm talking about metaphorically, spiritually. He's going to take you beyond the place you are now because where he's taking you is better than where you are at the moment. But perhaps getting you to the new place means that you will encounter some storms in your life. But don't not despair. As long as in the boat of your life, you're going to get to where God's called you to go to. I wish I'm speaking to someone. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he's in the boat of their lives. He's in the boat of your heart. And then what happens being in the boat of their lives with them? They're in the boat. He's in the boat. What do they do? Jesus in the boat. What the first thing he does? They start to set sail. And what does he do? He goes to sleep. 23. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. What do you do when the captain of your boat is asleep and you're entering the storm? What do you do when you're in the aeroplane and the pilot falls unconscious? You can relate to that. Can you imagine this happened oftentimes? Pilots fall unconscious in aeroplanes. The passengers are left to try and steer and control the aeroplane, fly the plane. What do you do? They frantically, the storm is coming. And life, you will encounter storm. But God is in the midst, in the helm of your, of your boat, of your heart. He's there, but seemingly he's asleep. He's not asleep. He's in expectation. Seeing, what are you going to do in the face of adversity and challenge? Are you going to give up? Hallelujah. Are you going to turn back? What are you going to do in the face of adversity in the journey, the Lord, the amazing adventure that God is taking you in life? What are you going to do about it? He's still in the boat, but he's asleep. <laughs> and they, the, water is, the boat is filling with water. Doesn't he know that the water is filling? Can he cannot experience, feel his God incarnate? Does he not know that the, the boat or the ship is in the storm, it's filling with water? And they, they feel they're in jeopardy, they're fearful, they're fearful for their lives, they run and try and wake him up frantically. Let me, whatever, even if there's a storm in your life, do not despair. Take courage. Do not be fearful. As long as Jesus is in the boat of your life, you have nothing to fear for. There's nothing to be afraid. Let the storm rage. You're going to encounter storms as people of God. You're going to encounter storms in the world. Just take courage. No, as long as he's there, just all you need to do, just look. Is he still asleep? Yeah, leave him. Is Jesus in the boat? Yeah, don't worry. But there's a storm. Don't worry. He'll get up at the right time. I don't even have to wake him up. He'll get up at the right time and see to my needs and see to my struggle. Let me go through this storm. Let me go through this challenge. But there's something in it for me. Let me just let the master rest. Lord, you rest. I'll deal with this. <laughs> but the assumption is that he's in the boat of your life. The problem is with many people where they throw their hands up in there and run around like headless chickens because they call themselves Christians, but Jesus is not in the helm of their lives. He's nowhere to be seen. You've left him on the shore. You've run ahead. You've second-guessed God, and you've gone there yourself. 
That's why Jesus is saying to the church in Revelation chapter 3.20, I'm not in the boat of your life. You're getting the storms, but I'm not there. You need me to navigate you through the storm. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and be with him. Now, let me say something. This is the problem is we need to come to define, understand, is Jesus in the helm, in the boat of our lives? Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. Watch this. So, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. Of such one I will boast, yet of, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. He's, he's going through challenges, but he's going to speak about God. When we go through challenges, all we speak about... It's about ourselves. But we want God in the midst of that situation. Verse 6. For though I might desire to boast, I will not not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. I'm going through a storm. A messenger of Satan buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And watch this, watch this, watch this. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Going through a storm? Lord, help me through the storm. What's God's response to Paul? Verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't worry, go through the storm. I'm with you in the storm. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You're going through what you're going through, but you're being empowered through what you are going through. You're learning something that you could never have learned unless you were in that storm. You see, there's one thing standing at the shore of the sea and watching the sea toss to and fro with the waves. Your emotion, your experience is different. It's detached. It's objective. Now, you see, your emotion by standing by the shore, looking at the ship on the storm, is one emotion, one feeling. But just imagine you being in the ship, being tossed to and fro, and looking at the shore from the sea. Your emotion is different from the person standing on the shore. You're learning something that that person doesn't learn. You're beginning to learn to trust. You're beginning to learn that you're hopeless without divine intervention. You're helpless and hopeless. And there's no outcome, no good outcome for you unless the situation changes. Yeah. Am I speaking to someone today? Are you going through your storm? Take courage. God is with you in that storm. Allow him to be with you. If he's not with you, quickly invite him in the ship of your life, in the storm of your life, and he'll take control. He'll help you, guide you through that. Praise God. And then he says this, therefore, most gladly I will boast. Where have we gone to? Let me go back. Uh, Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow. The law of contradiction. When I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Yeah? When I am poor, that's when I'm rich. Hallelujah. But we need to define what richness and, and, and strong is uh, in, in divine terms. It's not just mean being strong in God doesn't mean you go to the weight tomorrow. Don't say, you know, my pastor said to me, in Christ I'm strong. Go to the, your local gym and look at 500 pounds and say, watch this. <laughs> You're going to do your back in, slip at this. Be careful talking about spiritual strength inner strength (laughs) 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's about that relationship with God that's cultivated with God. Praise God. And he's asleep. Now, verse 20, let's go to verse 23, uh, Luke 8, 23, very quickly. Verse 24. And they, the, and they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Praise God. God is in the stern, the ship of your life. Praise God. Just trust him at the right time to change the situation. Praise God. It's by virtue of himself being in the boat that these disciples encountered the storm. So you might think my life was nice, rosy, comfortable, happy. No sooner do I become a Christian, no sooner do I come out that baptismal font and confess the Lord as my Savior, all hell let loose on me. I've just encountered a storm I've never would have experienced before. Because that's your process of growth. You can't develop muscles unless you break them down. You need to grow spiritual muscles, and that's what it's about, praise God. Learning, growing spiritual muscles, which is powerful. And then David says this. Let me come back to David very quickly now. He says, so, so let me tell you. So you're saying, well, how can God be in that place in my life if I'm going through this difficulty? Trust God. Trust the process. Trust God's process. I'm telling you, I, I, you're not paying for this information. I'm telling you, it's empowering. This is not self-help book. This is about God intervening with human, with our experience. Watch this. Watch this. He says this in verse, um, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? This David saying, he came to a realization there was nowhere that he can be outside of presence, knowledge of him. He knew everything about him. And this is what David goes on to say, verse 8. He says this, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. It's an expected place. You expect God to be in heaven, yeah. But then he goes on to say this, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. You're even in hell, so wherever I am, you're there. Sheol, the Hebrew word for hell at that time is Sheol. It's different to Gehenna Hellfire, which is the last place of damnation where demonic powers would be cast. Gehenna was not made for people. It was made for the devil, the powers that be, the demonic powers. Then he says this, verse 9, watch this. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, they're in the sea. Yeah, they're in the sea. What does he say? Watch, watch, verse 11. Even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. He's the right hand of God the Father in the sea of the apostolic life, their disciples' life, and his hand held them up and sustained them, protect them, and put them in a safe place. Hallelujah. So even if you, he says, wherever I am, you are there. So he was in the ship of their lives at that time. And let me tell you, he's with us today. They say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise the Lord. Come on, let me just go to the next verse very quickly. If I say, surely darkness shall fall on me, even the night should be light, uh, be light about me. So I can't hide in any dark places. You illuminate the darkness. You disperse the darkness of my fears, my ignorance, my insecurities. You, you disperse all these things. Hallelujah. You make it light. You make my dark situations light. It's, it's in the dark places you create your greatest things, Lord. Hallelujah. And that's why God wants humility. Because when we become a zero, when we become a nothing, that gives God the platform to bring creation about. Because God brought the universe out of nothing. And if you want God to make a, a difference in your life, you've got to start abasing yourself, humbling yourself to become lower, uh, decrease, 
get rid of pride and ego. And that's where God, that's the material God can use, humility, to rebuild and establish you in an amazing, powerful way to make you something beyond your imagination, praise God. I'm just giving you the word. This is the word of God. I'm not making this up. Hallelujah. Verse 12. Indeed, the darkness should not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both a light to you. Wherever you go, it makes no difference for God. I'm going through a low time, he's there with you. Going through a high time, he's there with you. Whatever situation you find yourself, he's there. And David knew for experience. That's why in Psalm 23, he says, you that walk for the valley of the shadow of death, he knows God is with him everywhere. He says, you that walk, I will fear no, no, no evil, for you are with me. I fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. He knows, even he knows. So let me tell you, start allowing that rea- the word of God to permit you to establish itself in your life, his word, and be engraved in your hearts to know that wherever you go through, he's with you. Praise God. He's with you. Let me just conclude, finish the, the message th- this morning by going back to Luke chapter 28, verse 24. Let me go to verse 24 very quickly. We finished next few moments. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. Wow. And I pray today God will give you a calm, a peace that surpasses understanding. That you leave here knowing you're comforted by God. God is with you at all times, in all ways, body, soul, and spirit. In the same way God is, is tripartite, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one nature. We are, we are tripartite. First uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says we are body, soul, and spirit. We're tripartite. And we, to be whole, we need to establish the three elements of our being. But mostly the spiritual side is very, very important. We are spirit, soul, and body. So we have a tripartite aspect, a reflection of God's personality, if you like. So we need to be wholesome in God. The only way to get wholesome in God is to have the relationship with him, restore the image and the likeness. Praise God. Let me go very quickly, verse 25. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 25, very quickly. But he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. It's interesting. There's, there seems to be some interesting things going on here because he says to the rich young ruler, Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He goes a different direction. But yet Jesus speaks to the nature, and he, the nature obeys him. Uh, the winds and water, uh, they, they cease, they calm. So God cannot change you or me, but he can change the environment around us, but he cannot change you and myself. Hallelujah, praise God. Let me go on to the next verse very quickly. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarines, which is opposite Galilee. And I want to leave you the last few thoughts. This is my last few thoughts. I think I've been saying in the past few moments the last few thoughts, but this is the last few thoughts. <laughs> okay. The word Gadarines means reward at the end. And when you go through this life journey and you trust the Lord and the Lord is in the, in the midst of your life, in your boats, in, the, in your heart, the boat of your heart, you have your reward in him. And he's your reward, praise God. He's everything. And so we have reward on the other side. But no sooner do they step on the shore, they encounter another storm. And this one, I'm going to finish just the last few thoughts. Let me just go to verse 27. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes. Nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. In verse 28, and when he saw Jesus, 
he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. And I'm going to just finish, conclude on these verses here. I want you to, for your minds, I envision what's happening. Disciples on the Sea of Galilee, the man by the shore. The man's demon-possessed, he's outcast, he's in chains, he lives in the tombs. The disciples are in the boat making their way to this place called Gadarines. They're encountering a storm. The man's the onlooker watching the storm. I want you to put you in the storm for a moment, that you go through a storm. But there are shores around your life that you're going toward. That storm is heading to a particular shore. You will encounter different people. These people are separate from the storm. They're observing the storm. But they do not know that what's in that storm is there to bring healing for them. That what's in that storm is the answer to their questions in life. The storm is bringing the solution to their problem to the shores of their life. They're not going out, but the storm is bringing them to the place to change their life. Your storm is going to help other people's lives change. Your storm is going to direct you to a path. You're not even planned to go there. But because of the storm, perhaps because of the situation and circumstance, you're going to get to a place that's going to change other people's lives. I wish I'm speaking to someone. When Paul was going to Rome to be brought before Caesar to be trialed to appeal to Caesar the storm took over and took him to Malta and because of the storm Malta the people in Malta were saved praise God because of the storm Jonah left God and brought a storm about himself and because of the storm he was sent to Nineveh and the whole nation repented because of the storm the storm was the facilitator to change other people's lives it begins with you it begins with me but it will end with people's lives change. I pray and wish you get that no, not when you get home now. Praise the Lord. So the storm is your friend to take you where you need to go, not where you want to go. You might want to go to the Mediterranean, but God may take you to the Americas. I don't know what God planned, but just go with the flow. Go with the Lord and your life will be completely transformed. And other people's lives. Let's stand together, praise God. The storm 